Hi, welcome to Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. This podcast is a ministry of Christ Covenant Church in Atlanta, where our pastors and members dig deeper into the sermon and its text together. Our goal is to consider new questions and observations while looking at the passage so that we might more practically apply God's word to our life. If you have a question for our pastors, please feel free to engage our text to pastor line at 404-465-1737. Or if you'd like to find more resources from our church like this one, please visit ChristCovenant.com forward slash resources. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our sermon talk back. Right, we're just going to have a short sermon talk back today. We're just going to have a quick one. It's going to be quick. We're going to get in. We're going to get out. But um, I've got um, the, the true champions of the Covenant Counseling Center. How's everything going in Covenant Counseling? I got the Liz Friend Show. Hello, everyone. Coolest last name on our staff. And then the <laughs> second coolest last name, Lou Priolo. That's the... the Counseling Center is stacked with cool last names. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm very encouraged. I think about like the children's ministry, like, you know, Montgomery, Nolan. Those aren't that interesting names, but Priolo, Francho. That's <laughs> that's special. Okay, but yeah, Counseling Center. Tell us yeah, about Yeah, I think it. Counseling Center is going really well. We're very encouraged about just the um, fact that it seems to be manageable right now, that we have other counselors and uh, just a lot of really good testimonies of what God's doing in individual lives and, and marriages and even, even um, dating relationships and soon to be engagement relationships. So let's just say I'm out there, Lula. I'm just a guy in the church and I'm not like dealing with a crisis per se, but there's just a few things in my life that are, a little bit off and I kind of want to talk to somebody about it and get some biblical insight for it. Is the counseling center for me? Yeah. Well, you have to look at it this way. The counseling center, biblical counseling is really problem oriented discipleship. So really what we're going to do is we're going to use the problems, issues, questions, whatever in your life to help you develop as a Christian. So yes, anything that, uh, that you believe you'd be benefited from in terms of discipleship, to help you overcome an issue, answer questions, relationships, communication, conflicts. Yes, then that is the uh, purpose of the counseling center. Yeah. How, you got any updates, Liz? How's everything good over there at the counseling mm-hmm. center? I mean, for you, in your in your view. Yeah, I've been very encouraged. You know, I do think that we have, you know, a culture of um, people that really want to grow. You know, they want to become better equipped to be disciples themselves. And so they see why, why not use this yeah. ministry in the church, you know? And so I'm, I'm very encouraged because obviously I'm a fan of counseling and so is Lou. And so just to, to see our members be very open to it has been, um, yeah. That's big one of the cool things. I mean, people generally speak are not embarrassed, embarrassed or ashamed. I mean, they come in, they tell their friends. I mean, a lot of times like they go home and say, well, I'll see you, I'm seeing Liz and like the buzz on the street in the church is, you know, how the counseling center is helping them. And well, and some of have, that may be just like a city culture versus like, like maybe, you were in Montgomery. Maybe, Nobody maybe. wants to admit no, they're going to counseling in, Mon- in, Montgomery, in Montgomery, but, uh, I do think, you know, going to therapy, going to see a therapist, that's something that even like the secular folks are saying in a city like Atlanta. So mm-hmm. um, I think the stigma is a little less, but but yes, I do think people are growing and 
um, grateful for what y'all do. This is not a commercial for the Counseling Center. It is the <laughs> Sermon Talkback. And so we finished up the John series. Let me just give you a quick recap of seven and eight. Seven and eight is really the, it's it's really a record of the discourse between Jesus and many Jewish people at the Feast of Booths um, there in Jerusalem. And he's kind of over and over and over again revealing that he is the Son of God, that he's the Messiah, that, that he is the hope of the world. And we got to the end of John 8 on Sunday, and it was kind of the, the, the big enchilada. I mean, Jesus says he uses the, the name of God that God revealed to Moses of the burning bush, I am. I, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. And really came out with it that, that he is the fullness of God. Um, and obviously this was disorienting. This was offensive to these Jewish people because they, they couldn't believe that this Jesus standing right there in front of them uh, was the answer to everything, was the center of their lives, was the I am, was before all things. Um, and I think we struggle with the same thing. I mean, we struggle living into God's story, living into what God is doing uh, because we are so desperately trying to figure out some sort of an importance uh, or life for ourselves. And that's certainly something we talked about in the sermon uh, on Sunday. But yeah, what are y'all's thoughts on on that big idea? I think it's interesting that the passage starts out with them first trying to discredit him. You have a demon. The reason you're doing this is because you're Samaritan. It's interesting. He didn't even he didn't even give them pushback when they falsely accused him of being a Samaritan. He just let that one go. But when they said he had a demon, then he started uh, pushing back against it, and then uh, didn't get any traction with that. And then um, they basically said, "Well, you're are you really not you you have seen Abraham, and you're not even fifty years old, which is like the average lifespan back then." Um, and so they're just trying to discredit him. And at the end of the day, you know, he comes up with ego and me, he comes up with I am, and that lit them up because he said he was God. And that's why they stoned him because they thought he was blaspheming. Bottom line is they tried to manipulate him, they tried to discredit him, and they failed and failed and failed. Nobody ever successfully man manipulated Jesus Christ, though many people Right. Well, and you, we we were talking before we went on, and you had an interesting point. I mean, because I was talking about just having your life centered on God and His story, mm -hmm. or writing your own story and kind of bringing a, a certain credit to yourself. And really, I think that was the issue here that they they had this culture, they had their traditions, they had their language, they had their land, and and mm -hmm. in a sense, God's blessing was for them. And you know, Jesus is standing before him saying, "No, you're missing." You're missing it. I am the one from the Father. It's it's all about me. I am the promised one of Abraham. I am the one that that Abraham rejoiced to see my day. I am, and before everything else, I am. And and are we? The question of the sermon really was: Are we really living into that? Are we really living into, um, I would say the supremacy of Christ mm -hmm. and um the the rank of Christ above all things. I would I would say that's um, no, <laughs> you know I would yeah, say that yeah. that is a a very um, sobering thought. You know that that are we truly um, fighting and really and really trying to to obtain uh, God centeredness instead of that self centered life and 
and I think it's a it's it's a, a, a daily denial, you know, of our of ourselves and in crucifying you know crucifying our flesh to follow Christ. Um, yeah, I, mean, so. I want to practically talk about that. Like, what does that look like? What is crucifying yourself? What is putting yourself down? What is you know understanding your place? What is before I am, Jesus is. You know, before me, He. Um, um, before my work, before my family, before my life, God and Christ and his purposes. And, and that's where I really want to go with this podcast, just to get really practical about like what does that look like? Functionally speaking, in our world, in the counseling world, what it looks like more often than anything else is helping people go against their feelings. You know, God has given us feelings. Feelings are good. Uh Feelings can be painful, but when our feelings want to go in a different direction than the scriptures tell us that we should go, especially in our thoughts, because our thoughts and our actions really was what generates our feelings, it really comes down to having a conscience that's so programmed with the word of God that our conscience intervenes and says, I may want to do this, or I may feel like not doing this, but by God's grace, I am going to do what the Bible says. I am going to obey rather than follow my feelings. Yeah. Any thoughts, Liz, that, that you have? Yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, I think that what, when we, when we are, um, exposed to the gospel and when, you know, when, when God moves in our lives, we have opportunity to, uh, to get outside of ourselves. I think apart from, um, uh, God moving and acting, and us receiving the gift of faith by his grace, you know, we have, we have no hope in living a, a God-centered life. And so I really liked your point here when you talked about um, no life is big enough for your soul. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think understanding that, you know, we were created for God and nothing in this world can fulfill yeah. the desire of your soul. And that is how God created us. You know, well, he, and he, I... Because I think we have this vision, if I do this and this and this, then my life will be big enough to satisfy me. And it never is. Nope. We always we always are longing for more. Mm -hmm. It's only God that can rightly fill us. One of the things I kind of pivoted to at the end is if we're resigned to God and if our life is centered on his story, if we've crucified ourselves and found our identity in Jesus, then then the result of that is that God uses us. And we, we talked about this kind of idea of culture shaping discipleship, but it's it's discipleship in such a way that 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 the people of our church would be used when they scatter and would be used to change cultures. And that's not like the big culture. That could be microcultures, <laughs> you know, the culture of their marriage. I mean, this is something that you're speaking into, mm -hmm. for example, both of y'all, like, um, like, what are you doing to change the cult? I have a toxic marriage. I have an unhappy marriage. I have a healthy marriage. Okay, well, let's look at what needs to be put to death in you, how you need to center on God, and, and the culture of your marriage as you center your life on God will be changed. And, and, and hopefully, and I believe this, it'll be changed in a Godward way. Um, and so, um, and then obviously you just take that out from there. I mean, that that applies to families and neighborhoods and workplaces and and sometimes even like entire industries. Um, and so, I don't know, speak into that practically, what does that look like in a, in a person's life or how should they begin to think about these things? For me, it's not that I am consciously aware 24 seven that I'm influencing the culture. Although I know if I'm obedient, if I 
if I um, believe and practice the gospel in my life, it is going to, in one way or another, impact the culture. But to me, it's simply a matter of the first and second greatest commandment. In this situation, how do I love God? In this situation, how do I love my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? Good Samaritan, right? Whoever God puts in your path mm-hmm. is your neighbor. Mm-hmm. So I I focus on loving, on ministering to, on meeting the needs of the evangelizing the people that God puts in my path. And I just trust that as I do that, uh, if I'm faithful to proclaim God's message to these people, that in his time, in his way, he's going to impact the culture. It was the culture of my family, the culture of my neighborhood, the culture of my church, the, the culture of Atlanta, um, whatever culture God sends me. Well, to. and you're, you're a good example of this, Lou, that I've like known you long enough to, to witness. I mean, I would say that, that Lou Priolo changed the culture of marriage in Montgomery, Alabama. You did, you did ministry in years for years in Montgomery. Mm-hmm. It's not that like every marriage in Montgomery is great. I'm not saying that, but but the 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 culture of marriage in Montgomery, Alabama is so much better off than it was when you when did you move to Montgomery? By 1998. Yeah. And some of those Montgomery people actually are here with us right now. Yeah. Yeah. But but from 1998 to 2014 or whenever it was that you mm-hmm. left. Right. Um, you know, the, the culture here, I met Jason D yeah, the, the, the culture of marriage in Montgomery, Alabama changed. And, you know, I would say in the same way, the culture of Valleydale changed mm-hmm. because of Lou Priolo. I mean, that Lou changed the shape and culture of our church. I mean, even the conversation we were having earlier, the stigma of confession of sin, of getting help, of applying the Bible to your life those kinds of things became kind of a part of that church largely through your ministry there. Um, and now of course the Lord's doing some of those things here and, but it's not, it's not because you're, you like moved to Atlanta and said, aha, I'm going to go change the culture or whatever, move to Montgomery. It was one meeting after one meeting after one meeting. It was the faithful task, faithful task, faithful task, kind of what you were saying earlier, just simple obedience to what the Lord had asked you to do that day. I'll never forget. It was about the third or fourth year I was in Montgomery and Jay and I, Jay Adams and I went fishing and I was explaining to him like what God, all these things that were happening, not only in the church, but in the other culture, we had another church that we were ministering to. Anyway, I was explaining all this. And so he looked at me and he said, so what you're saying, Lou, is in Montgomery, Alabama, there was a new revival, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I never looked at it that way because again, I'm not, I'm not trying to do anything, but minister to the people that God puts in front of me. But, um, sometimes God allows you to zoom out and realize that he's doing something bigger that you don't even realize he's doing. And sometimes that leads to something bigger. I mean, even yeah, yeah, how yeah. you got into counseling in the first place. Right. It wasn't that you were like, I'm going to go become this world famous counselor. Mm-hmm. You were just like doing the thing that God put in front of you. Actually, I was doing the thing that other people told me. I didn't want to be a counselor. And other people said, Lou, you have this gift. You ought to try it. I don't want to be a counselor. I want to preach. I want to be a mission. I don't want to be a counselor. And then I get to graduate school and I started studying psychology and the competition. When I realized that the little bit of Bible knowledge I had could blow away the competition, that's what God used. So again, like I, I just tried to follow God's will and whatever happened, happened. And I wasn't really trying to produce anything. I was just trying to faithfully every day do what I thought the Lord wanted me to do. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. 
I think the questions that you asked at the end of the sermon, I thought I think were really helpful when you said, you know, how do you respond when Jesus presses in on you? Mm-hmm. Um, do you obey? Do you submit? Or do you push away? Do you push like do you push him away? Do you push kind of the when the you know the Holy Spirit is convicting you or when you know uh, you need to make something right? Um, and I think that that is a really important place to start. You know, we we're the light of the world. You know, we want to be, um, you know, the, 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 the church to shine bright. And so if there's something going on in your heart or your mind that, that is, uh, dimming that light, then that, you know, I think that's a good place to start to, to say, you know, okay, I need to, I need to, I need to confess something or I need to work through something so that I can be used. You know, right. I can be used for, for the Lord. I, I do think that like this idea is so important the the more you just obey the simple things that god's asked you to do Mm. abide by his word right right won't taste death but just obey 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 keep following the lord you'll start bearing fruit you buy the more fruit you'll bear and and it'll be stuff you don't even expect and then but then the less you know if you sever the if you sever the the branch right or don't water it or feed it right or don't water it or feed it you, you just won't be fruitless. Yeah. And I just think a lot of Christians, you know, get five years down the road and say, oh my gosh, like, what has my life, life produced in the last five years? And they can't really say that much. But then if they, to your point, say, okay, what does obedience look like? Eh. What is watering? Uh, meaning like, what does Bible intake look like? Mm-hmm. What does worship in my life look like? And what does Christian fellowship in my life look like? And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, actually- Serving. Um, I'm not doing anything. And, and, you know, I think we forget that the Bible calls us to suffer. I think a big element is, you know, we're going to suffer. How do we respond when God, you know, flings a trial on us? Do we respond biblically at the trial or um, do we murmur and complain and get bitter and resentful at God? I think suffering and responding well to suffering is another key element of growth. Yeah, endurance. Stay and does our does our faith stay on the Lord in that? I think that's that's really like when we go through a trial, do do we run to something else to kind of assuage that pain, or do we do we run into the Lord? And so, some time ago, Kim and I were talking, and we were going through we were going through a trial, and you know we just came to the realization it's like you know we really must be Christians because because like why are we still in here? Why are we still mm-hmm having faith and trusting God when things have not gone the way that we thought it would go. So it, it, when you respond the right way to trials, it sort of strengthens your faith and it gives you the assurance that you really are a Christian because you have in fact persevered and you have not thrown in the towel in the midst of suffering. Mm, That's a good word. Any closing thoughts, Liz? I just think I'm encouraged, you know, by just kind of how you walked us through, you know, the faith that Abraham had you know, that he had faith enough to, you know, that if he had to kill Isaac, yeah, that he, God he was banking would, on the power of God to do something would bring him you know, back from the dead. And, and, and I think that that, you know, we can trust God because we have all these witnesses, you know, we have so much that, you know, that God has given us through the Bible that mm-hmm. we can like, wow, like I can, I can draw on the faith that Abraham yeah. had and Moses and, you know, these other prophets and, and then, of course, you know, within other members of the church and, and we just, we can spur each other along to say, okay, like I, I'm, 
yeah, feeling weak or I I feel tested in this situation, but I can I can be strengthened by the promises that we see in the in the scriptures, but then also you know the faith that other believers that we know have. Mm, that's a great word. Um, as we consider this great cloud, right? As we consider all these witnesses around us cheering us on. Let's throw aside sin. Let's throw aside things that might entangle us. Let's throw aside any weight that might trip us up and let's run with endurance. Let's be faithful in the little things that we're called to do. Let's run with endurance the race that God has called us to 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 race on. And, and the race, just to even reflect on Sunday, is his race. It's his story. It's his glory that we get to be actors in. And uh and there is so much joy and satisfaction found when we when we find that story and find that life. So let's be faithful in it. I hope this podcast has helped. Liz, Lou, I know y'all's your comments have been helpful for me. So for Liz Francho and Lou Priolo, I'm Jason Dees. Once again, thank you for listening to the Sermon Talkback podcast. If you have any other questions after listening, or if there's anything else you'd like to discuss with one of our pastors, please don't hesitate to engage our text pastor line at 404-465-1737. And once again, if you'd like to find more resources from our church like this one, please visit ChristCovenant.com forward slash resources. Thank you and have a blessed week.